Hello, and welcome to the fourth episode of the I Rest My Take podcast. We are your hosts, Max Adams and Liam Speller. Uh, we have a lot of things to uncover this week. A lot, a lot of things happen in sports. For starters, uh, we got two a time in Miami, and we got uh, we got a new head coach in uh, for the New Orleans Falcons. Yeah, and we missed a lot of baseball since last week, a mm. lot, and uh, so many headlines going out uh, through the NFL this week. The NFC East has gotten Eddie more, even worse, worse yeah. <laughs> even worse, and that's something we didn't even know that was possible. So yeah. we're going to dive into that, as well as a special surprise in addition to the show that we think you guys are really going to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Changing some things up. We're looking forward to it. Should be a good episode. Absolutely. Last week was good, so we're hoping to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, for starters, uh, we got two a time Miami. Uh, personally, I don't think I like the move so early. I, Fitzpatrick's been good. Three and three record. They, they got hopes for the playoffs, honestly. Like, you can argue that. See, Second in the AFC East. You, you think it's too late? I, no, no, too early. My fault. Yeah. yeah I, I misspoke. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's Fitzpatrick's team right now. Yeah, I think they should. If you're going to make this move, you start him in the first three or four weeks. Yeah. And if Fitzpatrick falls out and puts you in a position that you have put, like he did put his team in, yeah. that you should just ride it because you guys are trying to make a playoff run or at least like acting like it and mm-hmm. are winning enough games to be second place in the AFC East. So there's no, I don't, I don't like the move. I think if you don't start him within three or four weeks, you should probably redshirt him and just go next just year and give him a clean slate. But yeah, and then nobody liked that move. Everybody in the locker room hated it. Yeah. Fitz hated it. He, he was heartbroken. I saw. I was reading an article today. He said, "I basically got fired yesterday. My day consisted of Zoom meetings with my, the guy who fired me, and then sitting in a room with the guy who's replacing me for four hours." That's wow. Yeah, I didn't think. I thought Fitz was going to take the high road there because I thought he knew kind of like his place because, like, obviously they drafted to it to. to at right. five to play him and for them to be their guy moving forward. Yeah. So I thought he would have been a little more understanding. And I think this situation would have been gone over a little better had he not yeah. kind of gone down that road. But I feel for him. I think you're absolutely was, right with the whole, like they should have either brought him like the first three weeks or not at all. Yeah. Cause I, you saw with Justin Herbert, you Tyrod didn't really get a good sample size and yeah. you didn't really get a chance to see what Tyrod could do, but Justin Herbert showed up and showed that it was his job. Mm-hmm. So I think Brian Fitzpatrick, was not like uh, Tyrod, and you saw him do well. He was fifth in completion percentage, total QBR seventh, and then passionate passing and rushing TDs to, like combined, tied for tenth among yeah. QBs this year. He was he was balling for for him. Arguably the best football we've seen Fitz play in his career. Like, like seventeen and, year careers, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, he all the guys like I was watching the Pat McAfee show, and all the guys were just devastated, and like they all love Fitz. And they all think that he's such a great guy to play with. And like, I wonder, did uh, did you read up at like why? Like, what was the biggest reason for Brian I, Brian Flores? I think he just kind of was like. I think that there, from what I read, I think the plan in place was to start Tua after the bye week the entire time. Really? Yeah, from what I've read, at least, there's nothing really to say for any reasoning behind the decision mm-hmm. other than that that was their plan the whole time. Yeah. So I'm not, I I'm not sure. I'm not a Tua believer as it is. I don't yeah. think I don't think Tua's. Can you could really build a team around Tua because a his national title that he won he only played the second he half of he didn't bring them that championship it's yeah, not like he was the, the marquee Q, uh, QB in that in that whole system there mm-hmm. it was Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts got got them to that point right and then Nick Saban made a spread and then after that he was kind of like average he wasn't in Heisman discussions he wasn't really like he was just winning games yeah. because Alabama okay. was such a powerhouse and he was he was always injury prone so yeah i mean i think if he stays healthy i, I would say i'm more of a probably believer than you if he stays healthy he's 
I think he could be he could be a, a really good quarterback. I just don't know. Again, I just don't think it was the right time for Fitz yeah, to leave. Exactly. I think Fitz is going to be back in there in probably three, four weeks. Yeah. Honestly, I don't see the two experiment going well, especially you think in the middle so? of a playoff race. You have him playing must win games yeah. right away, and you don't even get it. Like he didn't have a preseason. He threw. He passed. He. He threw the ball twice, twice. for nine yards, yeah. and then he was like, okay, you could start now. Right. He had no preseason, no preparation. All he's played against is squad guys. He hasn't had a real in-game experience yeah. since the hip injury, really. Yeah. No. I, so. I don't know. Like, if they're going to bring him in now after Fitzpatrick's playing, I think they're going to ride him out the rest of the season. I mean – Depending on if, like, he's healthy and stuff, but – Yeah, I think if he drops the first two or three games, Fitz will be, Fitz will be back in. I, that might like, be just a worse situation, too, though. Because, yeah. like, you're going back and forth uh, – I don't know. I, I don't think they manage that well. Yeah, at all. And I, it's something to be said because lefty QBs, but with the exception of Michael Vick in the past decade, have not seen a lot of success. I think they're the sixteen la- and twenty-five. The last the like good one was probably like Steve Young, right? Yeah, before last Mike like, Vick. Yeah, yeah Steve like Young. like Hall of Famer. I know Vick was a baller though, but yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I I don't like the move at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we got a new head coach in uh, in the NBA for the New Orleans Pelicans, Stan Van Gunny. We mentioned this a lot last week, kind of the coaching carousel. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Uh, dominoes are starting to fall. Uh, I don't like this move either. I don't really? think I don't like it at all because they it's Van Gundy's coming off the same sort of mediocrity that Alvin Gentry just had in mm-hmm. NOLA. And so, um, Stan Van Gundy's record with the Pistons was 152 and 176. So it was 20 over 20 games below 500. And then Alvin Gentry's was 175 and 225. So, what are you really upgrading there? What are you gaining? Like, I don't understand because it's not like he has a prior relationship with any players. Yeah, it's not like he's he has a marquee big man to work with unless you're counting Zion, but I don't really count him as a big right, man. Yeah. Um, like I don't I don't understand them, especially when there are, are way I think better options for for New Orleans on the table. Still. Who 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 would you say like the number one choice was out of out of the the coaches still remaining, I think you could have gone Chauncey Billups. I think you could have gone Mark Jackson. I think you could have gone Mark Dant- uh, D'Antoni? Mike D'Antoni before mm-hmm. you went to Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. I don't I don't like. That. I don't know. How, I mean, he's kind of more of a little bit of an old school guy, I'd say. But I thought maybe like they bring in a younger guy just with all the young talent they have to kind of connect more to the players. But I mean, I've always been a fan of Stan Van Gundy. I, I don't really remember him as a head coach really that was a couple years ago when he was with the pistons right Mm -hmm. yeah he got fired three two years ago or something like that it was after it was like the season after they made the playoffs yeah i mean so the the pelicans they should be good i don't know the west is tough again but they have so much talent there Mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm curious to see how he does yeah yeah i don't really because the other thing is van gundy hasn't really been one to develop young talent he kind of just he just gets the guys that he has and kind of just coaches yeah yeah so i don't i don't understand the move i think there are much better options but as long as he gives zion a bigger role and you don't see him bench in the fourth quarter of like must win games mm. like you saw in the bubble i yeah. think that it's only up from there yeah yeah no that was an interesting hire i, I would say definitely mm. um and then two we had two game sevens in both uh alcs and nlcs i, I don't know the last time that happened yeah it was uh i saw it only happened three times in MLB history with really? the last time being 2004 wow so it, it's been a it's been a hot minute, and yeah. baseball remains the greatest postseason in sports. Oh, absolutely, I just wish there was fans because it's even it's a whole other level of fans. Yeah, see that that was my one thing with the Astros. It was like in one breath they're gone from the playoffs; they have right. no shot at a World Series. But you don't really get to see fans just just give it to <laughs> them, just 
to air them apart yeah. until 2021, which yeah. is disappointing in itself. Right. But I'm glad they're finally out. I was sick of watching them play. I was sick of watching I was, Carlos Correa run his mouth. I was nervous, though, because they came back from down 3-0. Yeah, I once they once they tied up the series, I was like, oh Ugh. no, 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 not this team. Because then you know if they won, all those guys would be talking, ta- oh, talking so much junk, saying, oh, we don't need Pablo Chi, we're, we're the best team here. Yeah, and they would have that would have been in MLB history forever. Yeah, especially yeah, they played the Dodgers. Yeah, they played the Dodgers oh. again, and for the fact that they were the first team since what the, the 2004 Red Sox season. What the was the year? 2004, yeah. yeah they um, beat the Yankees. Yeah. yeah, they came back from a 3 nothing lead and then coming off the scandal. That would have been talked about yeah. forever, and I, I don't think, want to talk about this. Yeah, no. team forever at all. Thank God the Rays won. Because I think that was a – they were the second team with the Red Sox to force a game seven, which is impressive in itself. You, have to, you can't deny that. But, yeah, if they – like you said, that would have been like the best 30 for 30 you could you could see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we got to talk about Charlie Morton too. Charlie Morton, I talked about in the first episode where you have your ace and you have your big game pitcher. Right. And so Charlie Morton exemplifies the big game pitcher. He's, had, he's put out a .56 ERA in winner-take-home games. Mm. The two above him I think were Madison Bumgarner and Randy Johnson. Really? And so – He's undefeated I think in – He's right? un- yep, he's undefeated. Yeah. They don't score off him. He has five straight postseason games with one or zero earned runs really? in a row. In a row. So the man deals in the postseason. Yeah. So I there's something to be said about Charlie Morton right now as one of the like not the greatest postseason pitchers like ever, but he's he's very like he's swept up, under yeah. the rug. Yeah, definitely under the radar. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But he watching that game, he was like they took him out early, I think, too. Well, that's kind of been the Rays' whole yeah. philosophy because they, go they have the so bullpen. much firepower on the bullpen. Yeah. But I mean, that's they have. I mean, they have. Item. They have three studs. I mean, Glass. No, he struggled in Game One. Mm-hmm. But with him, Snell had like nine strikeouts of four innings, and then Charlie Morton. They have a tough rotation. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, the Dodgers in their in their NLCS come back from. I mean, they were down three one. That's that's pretty impressive too. Yeah, there was a lot of points where I thought the Braves were going to kind of run away with it, and I was. They had every opportunity. What did they? They came out to a two nothing, three nothing yeah. lead, and had I, just, they were winning a majority of the series. They were winning a majority of the game seven, yeah. and then Cody Bellinger just stuck them with a dagger. Bang! Yeah, that's my was... Mike Breen likes to say, "Bang." That was a bomb. Yeah, he, he he's been playing well too. Yeah, hopefully his shoulder doesn't. I know. I saw again. that. that was, popped it out. Got to have the foot taps going. Yeah, now. I just. I always thought that forearm celebration was dangerous. I never was one to go for that because you know I have a short arm, so yeah. it's vulnerable. <laughs> so now, yeah, that was like the, NL- the NLCS and ALCS. I mean, and now in the World Series, we got series tied one one. I was glad the Rays get win game two. Yeah, uh, game one that probably should have been. I don't. I, I would say closer, yeah. like because you eight, have Tyler Glasnow. Yeah, Tyler Glasnow hasn't had this bad, bad of an outing in his career i would say he was spiking every pitch you could tell that he was re- really jittery um, why doesn't he pitch in the windup why was that that hmm. i don't understand that's like the first starting pitcher that i've seen in a while that like like as i wasn't a right. reliever think that of that. doesn't pitch from the windup that's just very like odd i feel like you could yeah. get in so much of a better rhythm i mean it's been working for him but obviously not in game one yeah somebody's gotta fix that i don't know why he does that i don't know what good it does him yeah Ugh. I, I hate that. <laughs> but Kirsch, I mean, Kershaw pitched one pitched well in game one. Yeah, I think it's six innings, eight Ks, and only one in run. Yeah, I didn't expect Kershaw to come out and win this game. I thought I took the Rays game one. I thought mm-hmm. that they were gonna they were gonna come out and kind of 
give Kershaw what like he's been yeah. what he's been resulting in in recent playoff games. definitely so that was that was my position but dude, Kershaw shove yeah. Kershaw shove then that's what that's really what he's supposed to do mm-hmm. so I mean yeah that's what I mean he's been one of the best pitchers probably the regular season of all time postseason is a different story he's been yeah. one of the worst yeah. he is I would say probably the Peyton Manning of the MLB yeah just not a lot of postseason success but he balls out in the regular season yeah. and has nothing to show he had like three Cy before he was even 30 in the regular yeah. season Wild. And then uh, game two, uh, Brandon Lowe had two dingers in game two. Yeah, I think the story from this game, though, was really, Dave, a bullpen game in the World Series. Mm. Really? Mm. When you have the staff that you have, yeah. like, come on. Come on. Like, I want to see if it was a bullpen day, start Joe Kelly, please. Yeah. Uh, I, I forget who started. He only pitched one inning. Was it Gonzalez? Something, I think, yeah. They had like, like eight different guys, I think, pitched. Yeah, that was. That's such a weird, weird. I've never been a. I don't know it. about you, but like a like a starter, like for like one inning. Uh, I've never been a fan of that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I've never been the fan of an opener. Opener, that's what. Yeah, yeah, and especially since it's the World Series, like yeah. you gotta you be kidding me, Dave. Like yeah. I like you and everything, but and I want to see you get a ring because you deserve one. Yeah. But like, what are you do? you're doing? You're doing too much. Yeah, doing especially with the rotation he has. Yeah, but mm. it, that was insane. But. Brandon Lau, as you um, alluded to a little bit, was six for sixty-six mm. in the postseason going into this game. Really? And yeah, and he's the first player in MLB history to hit two opposite field home runs in a World Series game. Huh. So I interesting stuff. Yeah, he was he was really um, that hit everybody over the head because he was doing so bad. And like Kevin Cash was like, "Nah, I'm sticking with my guy because mm. that's their all star. That was one of their only offensive all stars two years ago." Yeah. So showed out for him. Yeah, about time. Yeah, they've they needed waiting, that. They've been waiting on it for the whole entire postseason. Because yeah. so. if they went down 2-0, that would have been tough. Yeah, that's tough the to Dodgers. From. But I mean, Charlie Morton would have got them the game three at the very least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no who, who's, is Walker Bueller pitching game uh, three? Wa- uh, Bueller and uh, Morton game three. That'll be a good matchup. That's going to be a really good matchup. I'm really excited it, for that one. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be, that's a big game too. Uh, not yet. Now we're going to the, the new thing we talked about, right? Yeah. The NFL. Yeah, the two-minute drill. Yeah. So if you guys know a little bit about uh, Chris Berman and part of my take, they kind of have their own renditions of two-minute drill, where they kind of just give highlights of all the games that happened in the past week. Yeah, we have to figure. We had to figure out another way to recap the games for you guys who who missed it or in some way, shape, or form without like kind of vaguely just grazing over it and going straight into our takeaways. Yeah. So I think this is this is it. So uh, let's get straight to it. You want to start? <laughs> I'll start. Yeah. All right. Week oh, six. God, Let's go. So, Aaron Rodgers and my Packers were absolutely terrible this past Sunday. Buccaneers throttled them 38-10. to, to 10. But as the late great Whitney Houston always said, I will always love you. And that's my motto for them. <laughs> In Carolina, where Nick Foles and Teddy Bridgewater faced off of what some called it the three-legged bowl. <laughs> and Nick Foles proved his will always have just a little more hang time. Chicago 23, Carolina 16. <laughs> the Red Rocket, Andy Dalton, got his chance to play this past Sunday uh, and, and give Jerry Jones a reason to forget about Dak. Uh, but his his nickname did not speak to what he can do because the Red Rocket was terrible. Oh, Cardinals, th- Cardinals 38, Cowboys 10. In New York, where Sam Darnold took another day off to go clubbing in Atlantic City, while Tua proved nine yards is all it takes to send Fitzmagic and the rest of us into a swirling pool of depression. Miami 24, New York Jets. Zero. <laughs> the Vikings should follow the Colts model they had a couple years back. Suck for luck because Andrew Luck turned that franchise around 
And the only thing Kirk Cousins is going to be doing in terms of turning around is Adele Song turning tables. Uh, because he won't be a Viking next year with playing like this. The motto for them, bad performance for Lawrence. Hey, you never know. Falcons 40, Vikings 23. In Pittsburgh, where we saw a different type of assault this time around, this time around. no dented heads this time, just broken spirits and probably another progressive commercial. Pittsburgh 38, Cleveland 10. <laughs> Jaguars had a glimmer of hope to start the, start the year against the Colts with a win in week one. But everything has gone downhill for Jacksonville. I would say the only thing good, looking good for the future, other than the potential number one pick, is Gardner Minshew's beard. Lions 34, Jaguars 16. In Tennessee, where the Texans all made business decisions that they're not winning enough to step in front of a 21-mile-per-hour pile of bricks, and I don't blame them at all. Not even overtime gave them enough incentive. Tennessee 42, Houston 36. NFC East or the NFC East? They're freaking terrible. There was a projection that projection that Eagles might win the, the series or the division with a record of 6-9-1. and one. Absolutely terrible, and the NFC East is straight-up garbage. But it could be worse. You could be a freaking Jet. Uh, New, York, New York Giants get their first win, 2019, and the Eagles, despite they almost got a good win against the Ravens, took the L again. In Indy, where the Colts continue to rally behind Phil Rivers because who wants to send a man home into retirement to nine kids while poor Joe Burrow and the Cincy Housecats get a case of the Dan Quinn. Indianapolis 31, Cincinnati 27. <laughs> Drew Locke was freaking terrible this past Sunday against the Patriots. Broncos couldn't score a touchdown to save their lives, but they still found out to beat the Pats, 18-12. Brady McManus should have channeled an inner Will Ferrell kicking and screaming because all they were doing was kicking, and he should have been screaming at his other teammates. Patriots 18. I mean, Broncos 18, Patriots 12. And San Francisco, where Jimmy G is now fully healthy and mostly gray, generating a lot of hype from the hub. Aaron Donald and his throwing knives couldn't compete with that. San Francisco 24, Los Angeles Rams 16. Very, very good. Oh, we got, we got one more. Yeah, one more going, all you. In Buffalo, where God or Mother Nature or Bruno Mars robbed us all of watching the Battle of the Rubber Arms. Instead, we saw that the Bills need, needed Lev Bell just a hell of a lot more than Casey. But Andy Reid was still as angry as I've ever seen him. His wife must have not given him enough Hawaiian shirts for the road. <laughs> Chiefs win anyway, KC 26, Buffalo 17. <laughs> Would I like to say? Electric. Electric. <laughs> that was gold. So, yeah, that was a little thing we wanted to change up this year, bring a little enthusiasm and just – I think that was, that was really fun. That was, that was, that was fun as hell. Um, but so now we're going to get into our takeaways a little bit. So I have one question to start off for you, That's my it. friend. That's right. Are the Pack frauds? After this weekend, yes. They were – no, I mean, no, but yes. They were terrible. They, they started off like they had previous previous weeks, 10 nothing, and Rogers connecting, Aaron Jones running well. He throws his first pick in a freaking since the Ice Age because he hasn't done those picks at all. And then everything was terrible after that. Everyone is healthy now, so they don't really have an excuse. Like, they can't say that they can't use the Philly handicap where all their receivers are injured. Aaron Jones was in there. Their, their, Devontae their defense, was back. Yeah, Devontae was back. Defense was healthy. And they looked awful. Yeah. They looked. They only put up 10 points after putting up at least 30 in five straight weeks. It was Aaron Rodgers, I think, worst game of his career. It was it was so difficult to watch. I was on my phone like last like fourth quarter because I couldn't stand it. I just wanted Aaron Rodgers to come out because I didn't want him to freaking break his collarbone off a of Shaq Barrett sack because it was getting brutal. But I, if you say that now, I have no problem because they deserved it. They were terrible. Yeah, that yeah they Aaron Rodgers might have lost his MVP credit credibility and uh, Green Bay might have lost their Super Bowl contention credibility. Mm, I wouldn't say the Super Bowl contention quite yet, quite yet. Uh, Aaron Rodgers definitely got bumped down in the in the MVP, but 
they're still the Buccaneers are no no joke. They're still good, but I mean the Packers they did not look good. Yeah, no, that was very. I think they went from probably the favorite in the NFC to like the third maybe because mm-hmm. that was yeah that was that was a rough rough. Yeah, there. and after Bucks didn't really look all that great going no. into that week either. Everyone was kind of I know I was down on the Bucks. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I remember I, that. I was really down on the Bucks. I didn't think that was going to be the, the outcome even remotely. I thought it was either going to be a shootout or the the back was going to run away with it, and neither happened. I was very disappointed, especially after bye week. Devontae Adams comes back healthy. I, I had Aaron Rodgers as my, like, one of my top performers because I thought he was going to light up the Buccaneers, mm. uh, and I was completely wrong. Yeah. That was a terrible game. You got any, any other thing? Um, so if we got to talk about the Cowboys too. I feel mm. like apparently slumber parties aren't the way to find out a new head coach. Who knew? Who knew? He, he might <laughs> – you might see Mike McCarthy out very, very, very soon. Yeah. Very I, soon, because he yeah. didn't even look enthused. He didn't even look like like he expect. He looked like he expected that. Yeah, that was just depressing on all levels. Yeah, and especially when you have like civil war in your locker room when the coaches are or the players are saying the coaches didn't really care or anything. Mm. Not a recipe that Jared Jones is gonna like. Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, keep going if you want any more takeaways. Um, we're gonna go to the pickums. Uh, well, we gotta talk about. Um, Monday night football. I'm gonna say one thing about Monday night football, mm-hmm. and then we can move on. Okay. Yeah. Can I? I feel like I could do some of the coordinating jobs at ESPN. Y'all really. You don't like Steve Levy? I don't hate Steve Levy, but like that whole crew just bores me. Like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not really all that excited about it, and especially because you have Marcus Spears and Ryan Clark already circling around in ESPN headquarters at all times. Yeah. And they offered Al Michaels, Tony Romo, like the lead roles, like. If you want to go out and get somebody that's going to be available and it's going to be electric, go get Gus Johnson. Go get my guy, please. That would be so – him and Marcus Spears and then Lewis Riddick could stay if he wants, but, like, him and Marcus Spears would be so, so, so electric. I used to play – it was NCAA basketball. I think he was the announcer. My favorite thing would he be like, from the corner. He is the definition of electric. I love his voice. Best voice in sports. Because Monday Monday Night Football has always been – Kind of like the, the Debbie Downer. Like Thursday night football, you got you got Aikman and Joe Buck doing the game, and, and Thursday night, I feel like the matchups maybe a little better. Yeah. But Monday, Monday night, yeah. since Tariko left, yeah, because oh my god, they, at least I'm happy they got rid of Booger McFarland. I was yeah. not a fan. They of had they had three straight years where it was Jason Witten, uh, Booger, Jason. and now this year you got just all like nothing nothing special. I forgot Jason Witten. That's why yeah. he retired. They yeah, went back he to came play. Back to play. He's like, nah, I'm gonna actually play football and not try because this is not my job. Yeah. No, he was – yeah. Jason Wynn, stick to football, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the NFL pickums we got uh, for this upcoming week. Uh, we're going to start with the Thursday night game. That's actually happening tonight uh, while we're filming this is the uh, the Giants-Eagles. Uh, who you got in that game? I got Philly, I, but don't watch this game unless you're responsible for – you are responsibly gambling or for un- some unexplicable reason you're starting anyone in fantasy. Don't watch this game. It's not. I'm sad about this game. I, Thursday night. I think I have a proposal. So mm-hmm. all NFC East games should be played on either Wednesday or Thursday. I, I don't want to see them on Sunday. That would make an excitement so, on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. So I'm totally fine if you keep just you keep the NFC East games just away from Sundays and Mondays. Like keep the keep the Sundays and Mondays for the real men. Yeah. Place. I wouldn't say a primetime game with the NFC East is the same thing worth watching. Mm-hmm. I I have the Eagles as well, but you never know with NFC East. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, this is going to be a good matchup. The Steelers and Titans, both undefeated. Yeah, this is a dark horse uh, Super Bowl uh, 
potentially for preview. Yeah. No, no, they're both AFC. Steelers and Steelers Titans. Are, aren't NFC? No, they're AFC. Dude, I'm so bad with yeah. divisions. I kind of hate myself. Yeah, no, the AFC championship game. I you, very you could say that. Yeah, AFC championship game. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. That. Who, who you got here? I got I got Tennessee. I get uh, Tennessee seems to be um, just the hottest offense in the NFL mm-hmm. right now. Even if their if their defense catches up to them, they might be the best team, team. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But their defense is kind of lacking far behind them. But I mean, uh, Henry and Tannehill seem to be dominating right now, and they don't have Devin Bush anymore. They lost Devin Bush last week, so yeah. I think that's gonna gotta gotta hurt, hurt your main yeah. your main core of your defense there. Yeah. So that's gonna hurt the the steel curtain that they mm-hmm. got going on out there. So I think the Tennessee is gonna continue rolling. Yeah, I have the Steelers, but if I was nervous, it was definitely the Devin Bush injury. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, the Titans defense. I think Steelers might the receiving core might have a, might have a nice game. Uh, Big Ben might have might have kind of a breakout game. He hasn't been a huge kind of. He's been a little bit. I wouldn't say a disappointment because they're five and zero, but I think he needs to be better. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Steelers, but not not a confident answer. And I'll give you because Derek Henry ran all over at that. Yeah. Uh, one one thing about Devin Bush, real quick. I'm I'm working on a take here. I'm okay. working on a take. Mm-hmm. Do crowd noise? Um, does crowd noise contribute to to knee and ankle durability? Say that because everyone's getting hurt. Yeah, every I, this is the most knee ankle thing like I've ever seen throughout. Like at least it's an even mix usually yeah. throughout the NFL season. But the season that we don't have fans, there's there's a lot of knee and ankle trouble. Yeah. Like and hamstring, I would say too. Yeah, I hmm, I I don't really. It's not done yet. The take isn't done yet. I gotta I gotta put yeah, a little gotta, more research into it. Yeah, but like that's not very well maybe possible at this point because who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a funny point. Uh, and then the so. Originally, the Buccaneers-Raiders game was going to be Sunday night, but it just got flexed. The Seahawks-Cardinals game is going to be there. Yeah, they fl- did they flip that or they put Tampa Bay Monday? I'm not sure. I want to say it's it was a Sunday at like 4.05, I believe. But it could be – they could not even play because the whole, bu- the whole Raiders offensive line is COVID. <laughs> so yeah. if, that, if there is a game, I'm taking the Buccaneers staying hot. I took Oakland in this one, but I genuinely have no idea what to think about either of these teams. Yeah. I have no idea. Both coming off of big wins. One is overachieving, while I would say Tampa Bay is underachieving to a point. Yeah. Still trying to put the, all the, key, the pieces together mm-hmm. as far as chemistry goes. So, yeah, I took Oakland in this game, but I, I'm not confident in it at all. Mm. And then uh, the other game, I'm, I'm assuming right now is a Sunday night game, is the Seahawks-Cardinals. Uh, Seahawks coming off the bye. Cardinals coming off a big win. Who you got? Uh, despite the huge margin of victory last week, Kyler Murray didn't look great at all. So I got I got uh, Seattle. Yeah, I got Seattle this week. I think Russell Wilson stays hot, and uh, he's got to he's got Kyler's got to try to keep up with the league's MVP candidate to this yeah. point. And like AZ's uh, Arizona's offensive like game looks mm. a little a lot more shaky than we we anticipated. Yeah. I would like, say he's probably like an honorable mention type guy because he's still putting up big numbers. He's putting up big numbers, but like he didn't he didn't look good he's, on the first quarter we I think we were talking in our group chat. He was he was like yeah. terrible. Yeah. He was missing throws and he finished like I think nine of twenty four. Yeah his completion percentage was garbage in that game. And he, it doesn't help that he keeps getting shorter every week. Yeah. I, I don't know what that's <laughs> he he gets more stumpy and shorter every week and he just I don't understand. Maybe as he runs more like a toddler, he starts he starts to kind of morph into one, but I don't I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could say I saw that, but that's a it's another interesting take you got. <laughs> uh, and then I believe the Monday night game. Uh, Bears Rams. I feel like this is an interesting game. Yeah, the the Chicago defense resurgence is real. 
Mm. Nick Foles' hot hand, I think, can only lead to more Bears wins while the defense seems to be firing in all cylinders. So I, I got the I got Chicago in this game. Yeah. Uh, the Rams look too way too stagnant last night to I think compete or not last night last week against San Francisco um, to really do anything against this very talented Bears defense. Yeah, I have the Bears as well. Although Rams. Rams are they're they're good. That I I'm not a confident in like another some of these games I'm not confident in my in my picks. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna take the Bears staying hot and uh, see if, see if that comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that does it for the NFL pickums. Uh, we got a little bit of time left right here for uh, for our sports politics part. Uh, how do you how do you want to go about this? You want you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. So for my sports politics part, our segment uh, should athletes use their platform and voice like they have been doing to make changes in the world, or should they stick to kind of being an athlete? And I think they absolutely, absolutely should use the platform because they inspire so many people. And they've been the, like the more than athlete part is like, they should not shut up and dribble. They should be able to use their platform like LeBron James and many of Chris Paul have been doing because it's really influential. And I think they've made a lot of change so far and they should keep doing that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, for my half, I got um, Eric Reed. Eric Reed was – there was an article that came out in the Undefeated this past week by Martenzi Johnson. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> but um, it's not getting nearly as much attention as it deserves. The NFL's old white men ownership seems to have struck in again with the blackballing first as Colin Kaepernick announced Eric Reed, and it's not really coincidence. Um, and there's no statistical evidence to really back up why Eric Reed isn't in the league. He, um, according to the Next Gen, was um, played 47% of snaps and – he led all all uh, defensive backs with tackles in the box, um, as well as that's the tenth most of any qualified safety. Uh, second in tackles among defensive backs. Um, oh wait, uh, and then so the guy that is in front of him in that category. I'm gonna cut you off because we're running low on time. Thank you for listening and have a good one.